Why is your life the way it is? And why is the world the way it is? And do we just have to accept it and cope with it? Or can we do something with it? Can we change it? Can we retrain ourselves? Can we experience the unexpected? Today's conversation is with Lindsay Robinson, certified hypnotherapist, subconscious activator. And we're going to talk about how we can change those subconscious limiting beliefs that keep creating the conditions we're experiencing in our own lives and in the world. Join us to find out more. Well, welcome back, everyone, to Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the fire and we share our stories of connection to that which is greater than us, the big mystery, you know, beyond the veil to those synchronistic moments where we discover something new about ourselves and we evolve our consciousness. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love talking about transformation. How can we accept our current life experience, but not settle for it? Like, how can we accept that this is what's happening in the world today? This is what's happening in my life, or this is what's happening in the Middle East, or this is what's happening, you know, with our government, or this is what's happening in the financial markets, or this is what's happening. And everywhere I look, I see this. And accept that that is what is currently part of my reality, but then transform it, change it, evolve it, uplift it, create something new. And really, ultimately, that's the question of how do we experience something outside of what we expect subconsciously to experience? And that is really the question. How do we get at those limited beliefs, those you know, maybe reinforced ancestral traumas that cause people to leap to violence to solve problems instead of diplomacy. How do we get ourselves out of these mindsets where we have the haves and the have-nots and a world where there's people with no food and a world where there's people who waste food? And how do we come into some equilibrium and harmony where everyone is honored for their beautiful life that they are on the planet, walking, talking, breathing divinity inside a body? How do we get to that place when we've been up until now experiencing separation consciousness and fear and, like I said, violence, othering, they're not me, so I can kill it you know, all these things that are part of lower consciousness. And we've definitely fully explored that as humanity on this planet. And now I believe it's time for something new. At least that's what I desire. And I know I'm not the only one that desires something new. Let's like step outside of Monopoly and start playing any of the other millions of games available to us as souls to play together. So today we're going to have a really interesting conversation about like, how the subconscious works, why we have limited beliefs. How do you retrain that? How do you open up to a potential that you up until now have not experienced? If you were in the Middle East, how would you open up to a potential of getting along? 
how would you open up to a potential of resolving issues through diplomacy instead of bombs? Like, how would you get to that if all you've been experiencing for thousands of years is war? How do you get outside of that war box and into a new reality where that isn't one of your first go-to solutions, where actually that is like not even on the menu, where everything gets resolved through conversation and understanding and open hearts and listening. And, you know, we got to confront a whole lot of ancestral trauma and history in order to change, don't we? And that, I believe, is a conversation that we're all in right now, at least When I spent my 10 days in the jungle, part of it, I was meditating on this in front of the ayahuasca vine, asking ayahuasca about war. Like, how do we stop war as humans? How do we move beyond it? What's our next greatest accomplishment as human beings that doesn't involve destroying something? Like, how can we actually uplift our own consciousness from a consciousness that is mired and steeped in all of this kind of low vibrational stuff? So this is a really cool conversation. We're going to see how far we get. And even if we get one gold nugget today, it's totally worth it, isn't it? Like one gold nugget out of this whole thing would be like really excellent to practice. And then that could lead to some more gold. So today's guest is going to help me have this conversation. I prepped her for this. She totally knows that I was going to open this can of worms, but I told her, I promise you, I will not drop it all in your lap. I promise I will not do that. But I think we're going to have a really great conversation because Lindsay Robinson is here. Welcome, Lindsay. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you said yes to this amazing conversation. Let's solve all the world's problems today, right now, in the next 35 minutes. I think I'm going to need some uh, whiskey in order to have this conversation, maybe. <laughs> a little bit of um, imbibe, imbibement of um, something intoxicating. Yes. <laughs> well, let's just intoxicate on some good frequencies right now. Lindsay is a certified hypnotherapist and an intuitive guide who loves helping ambitious women all over the world. You just found like somebody really ambitious, by the way. Loves helping ambitious women. I want to like make create world peace. You know, that's pretty ambitious. (laughs) Ambitious women all over the world to clear their subconscious limiting beliefs so they can embody into their highest potential and manifest their biggest desires automatically. And so we are going to have an amazing conversation today. And what qualifies us to have this conversation? Well, I, I'm qualified because I thought of it. So I don't know. I, there you go. That's, that's all the qualification I need. I don't need the little letters after my name to have this conversation. I don't need like proof that I can have this conversation and neither do any of you. But Lindsay, tell us more about you because we're just meeting you in my in Soul Nectar Show you know, world. Tell us a little bit about you and your journey and how you came to be this amazing subconscious activator. Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for putting up with me for the next hour. I hope that it's going to be very enlightening and something that everyone can take away into their life. Luckily, pretty much everything that I talk about and everything I'm good at talking about can be applied to literally everyone if they choose to apply it. So anyway, a little bit about me. I kind of, I think you might resonate with this because I recognize you a little bit as a weirdo. I grew up as a weirdo. I kind of was always in the cemetery doing weird things like touching headstones and trying to figure out how they died at like 12 and 13 years old. Like that's just what I liked to do. Okay. But I never really, I never, I never cared. I don't remember caring if people actually like thought I was weird. I just, you know, I think that some people are just meant to be a little different and and I've kind of owned it as one of the most awesome parts about me. But I, I say that I was a weird kid to, to also say that I had one parent who was very religious uh, in the Catholic 
really any church that would have her Catholic. She did Mormon. She did Christian. She did all kinds. Still does. And my and my father was more like, "This is my last life. I'm not coming back." <laughs> Old soul. <laughs> like, I'm so done. Yeah, I'm so done. Yes, re- of course, reincarnation is real. Of course, that it's not just the God; it's the universe, and we're it's just so much more. My dad is such a hippie. I love him so much, but I I kind of resonated more with that even as a young age, like at a young age, just because it sounded cool. Like we get to come back. Like we get to be anything. We could have been anything. That's weird and cool. But anyway, I was about 19 years old, and my my I was trying to figure out life. I just started college. My sister gives me this book called Journey of Souls. If anybody's never, oh my gosh, if you haven't read it stop what you're doing. Don't stop what you're doing. Listen to this episode and then go onto Amazon or go to your used bookstore, get Journey of Souls or Destiny of Souls. His name is Michael Newton. He's a hypnotherapist or was who basically took his clients to the life between life phase. Can I just lay, are we all open to reincarnation on the show? Am I like- Oh yeah, you're speaking our language. We're good. Okay, good, 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 good. So he basically took his clients on accident. The first couple, he had no idea what was happening because he was very, he was a psychologist, very much like clinical, right? And then when this stuff started happening, he was like, what the heck is going on? What even is hypnosis? This is weird. But they would go through this process of like choosing their next life based on what their soul, you know, needed to learn and what their lessons were, all that sort of thing. So I was completely fascinated. This is something that I never knew was real, but it felt so true to me that I was so hungry for every bit of information I could get. So from then it was just like, that's it. I'm going to be a hypnotherapist. That's it. That's it for me. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Again, I was 19 years old, but something activated within me to make me move to California within a few months of reading these books because I knew for whatever reason, the next part of my life would be in California. I didn't know why. Not really. People would ask me and I'd be like, oh, I just don't like snow. I was in Michigan at the time. And it's like, oh, I'm just, which is true. I don't, I didn't like snow as a 20 year old kid. So I moved to LA and, and, quickly realize it's expensive and you need to get a job lest you move back home like everyone else does. And I was not going to do that. So I got a job, basically forgot about hypnotherapy and all that stuff. Fast forward about seven years. It's now 2012. I had my first boy and I really asked myself, like, what do I want to do with my life? I want to be with my kid. I don't want to go back to work. I know we need money, but like, what do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> like I found myself at 27. Like, what do I want to do with my life? so that I can make my own hours and stay home with my kid. Immediately in my head, boom, hypnotherapy. Remember that? Remember? Remember you wanted to do this? And I got excited and I got all the all the, the things you're supposed to feel when it feels perfectly right. And then the voice of logic and reason and responsibility and the boring voice of like, oh, come on, you got to do something realistic. You're a mom now. Get it together. Go get a job. Right? And I kind of agreed with the voice. I was like, yeah, I got to take care of my family. And my husband's doing everything he can to get money, but we need more. And I can't really start a new thing right now. But then another voice came that was like, but why not? Why can't? It was like a whisper. Right? I was like, why can't you? But why not? Everyone who's ever done anything has had to start with this decision. Everyone. So I was like, okay, well, hang on. Why can't I? What if I just made a call? What if I just looked into it? You know, and I did. And it turns out I found an institute that would have been right down the street from where I would have gone back to work. Like what? First of all, that's the first coincidence. LA is not a small place. So when you find something that was down the street from where where your job was, where you would have gone back from maternity leave, like that's crazy. I never noticed this building in the seven years of living in LA, never once. But then there it was, big as ever, 
And I walked in, did a tour. The next day I started the new semester because the new semester started the day before I went and got a tour. They're like, we just started yesterday. Of course you did. Of course you did. Start right now. Yeah. So I called my husband from the place and I was like, can I do this? And I wasn't really asking permission. I want to be clear. I was asking, give me a reason to not do this because I'm scared, right? That's what was happening. And he said, do you really want to do it? I said, yeah, I do. Well, then we'll figure it out. You got to do it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you were supposed to tell me not to do it. Wait a second. I was like counting on you. You were my last hope to be able to just, and, and I know now, okay, that was my subconscious trying to keep me safe. Your subconscious has one job. It is to keep you breathing, keep you alive based on the information that it has that will keep you safe. Starting something unknown, not knowing if it's going to work out is scary as hell. Can I say that? It is scary as hell. So when, when something like that happens, your subconscious, all of your abilities in your body, your mind, and your emotions will start to activate to keep you safe in the small, uncomfortable, comfortable box that you've created or that it's created for you. So when you want to step outside of that, it feels exactly like that. It feels scary and uncertain and all of the things. But anyway, I did that 10 years later. I'm here and it's been a wonderful ride. I do have one more kind of synchronicity that I always love. And I I really like, you can't make this stuff up. It's incredible. So you remember I read the book when I was 20, that would have been 2005 or 2006. I can't remember the, yeah, depending on when my, when it would have been. When I graduated in 2013, they asked me if I wanted to work on site for the distance department. Like, do you want to stay and, you know, have a job and tutor these distance students? Yes, of course I do. This would be great. I looked myself up in the database as an employee now, rather than a student, I looked myself up in the student database and I had filled out a distance application in 2005, right? This would have been right after I read the book before I moved to Los Angeles from Michigan. I filled out an application, submitted it. And then I just never, you know, you do that thing where you fill out an application, then you just don't answer when they call you because you're not ready. Yeah, I did that. (laughs) And I was like, I... Like, I feel like my soul left my body when I saw my name there in 2005. I was like, what? I was I always no meant to be here. <laughs> I was always, I could not, should not, would not have ended up anywhere else. I, I had no memory of filling out that application, but they had my phone number, my address from Michigan 10 years prior. I'm like, are you joking? Come on. Or actually it would have been like six or seven years prior, but it's ridiculous. You know, what's so amazing about what you're talking about is that First of all, you were always meant to be. This was just Ugh. part of your path. And then the crazy way that you knew that you had to move. I had a similar thing where all of a sudden I was after college, I went to a college in New England in Massachusetts. And I was like, I need to move to California. Random. Yeah. I need to go to San Francisco. Why? I, I mean, somebody gave me a book to San Francisco. I was like, that's where I need to go. And I just yeah. went across the whole country without anybody there with yeah. me in- my family was like, ensued, you know, you know, coming, <laughs> coming from a small town in Michigan, they're like, you want to do what by yourself? What? what? You talk? This does not compute. And I just, yeah, you just have to do it. And then still years later, I would call my dad and he'd be like, okay, so when are you moving back? <laughs> Don't you get it I'm yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, happening. it's really fascinating how life brings you those curveballs. And when you're young, you're usually more willing to follow those, but oh yeah. I mean, think about it. Like when you grow up, your whole identity and your whole concept of the world is formed where you grow up, right? And so if your family's only ever lived in the one space and 
you only ever know that community or that mm-hmm. geographic space or those school systems or that government. That's what you think is reality. And, you know, going back to like applying this over in the Middle East, it's like, that's what you think. Like if the bombs are always dropping on your house, you're like, well, they're always just going to drop. And that's just the way life is. You know, like yeah. you, don't, you don't know that someplace else is never like that. Like that has never happened other places. Right. So, you know, so you got to kind of get out of your own box. And when you moved to LA, you had this opportunity. I always love the opportunity of being whoever you want to be because oh, nobody yeah. knows you. So you mm-hmm. can be whatever you want to be, right? Whatever feels right. Did that happen for you when you moved? Yeah, I guess I would describe it as I, you know, you're 20. You don't know who you are. You don't know who you are at 20. Most people don't know who they are. They don't know which way is up or down or what life is even what it is. You just know how you were conditioned to think life was you and how just, you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're As far as I'm concerned, I was a kid at 20 still. I was I was baby. But I found myself feeling comfortable and safe discovering who I actually am in California because there were no expectations on me to hold. Not that there were back home, but I feel like I would have thought that. I feel like if I would have tried to step into my authenticity in my town with my family who knew me from baby, I may have not felt quite as free to do that. But I think you're you're right. When you go to a place where you're a blank canvas and you get to decide what you like, what you don't like, what you'll tolerate, what you won't tolerate, what's okay with you, what isn't, it's just so so much more freeing, I think, to be able to explore that in a place where there's no wrong answer. But for some people, and I think this would have been my experience, I feel like I could have felt parts of me were maybe not able to be explored as well because of the expectations on me from, you know, that naturally happened with family and with old friends and things like that. Like I'm not, I'm not the same person. Fundamentally down to my core, I'm not, I'm not the same person. There's, there's the basics, but like, you know, my personality was, was formed and who I am and who I believe is the real me, the true me, the authentic me. I believe started to get formed once I once I moved away. Once you left the construct, yeah, yeah. Like once you left the construct and you got outside of it, you got outside that bubble of reality. All of a sudden, the mind goes, "You mean there's other potentials?" Oh gosh, yeah. And then it's like exciting for a little while because it's like, how many things could I possibly be? Like. Yep. I could be anyone and anything. And, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid. So I always had Same. that revelation. I was like, oh my God, I could be whoever I want right now. Who do I want to be? And my imagination got started, you know, and then I, and every time I moved again, I was in relief because usually I got myself tangled up in people not liking me for one reason or another, because I said something because I've psychic, I've always been psychic. I just, uh-huh. I know it now. And I would say things that people weren't ready to hear. Right. And then they get all mad at me and, you know, oust me from their little club and stuff. Like yeah. That. Yeah. So by the time like we moved again, I was in relief. I was like, oh, thank God. I need to start over again. You know, well, and- I did not have, yeah, I did not have the same. We moved around quite a lot as from basically birth until I was about 10. My mom and I, and my sisters and brothers would move all over the same area, but like all over a different city. And then by the time I was 10, I moved in with my dad and we just stayed in the same, stayed put, right? Stayed put in that, in that town. And I don't remember ever wanting to move. I always remember it being like, well, I just started me. I just made a friend and now I have to <laughs> forget them. And for me, it was definitely a different experience. But I could imagine like if you 
like feeling as if even at a young age, feeling as if, oh, I can, it's a new day. It's a new start. I can start fresh. And that is a very good feeling. I know. I know your lessons with you, right? Like, oh, cool. I like learned all these pitfalls. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't don't do that. Yeah. People in small towns have a hard time forgiving, you know, is what I've noticed. People that stay in the same town forever, like small towns, especially they have a hard time forgiving stuff because they're like, you can't do that. Well, yeah. And I just want to add on, like, I know, I know I said I wouldn't, I feel like I wouldn't have felt as free to explore who I am in where I was, but that's not to say that I don't appreciate who I was because I will call like my high school, middle school. We became best friends in middle school. We bonded over Titanic, the movie. We're like, oh my God, did you see Titanic? Yes, I did. What a great movie. Let's go see it 75 more times in the theater. But when I call her, when I call my best, best friend from like middle school, I go right back. Don't we all? We go right back. We revert right back to who we were when we became friends with them. And that's, that's beautiful too, I think, because best friends, especially like old best friends can bring out parts of you that you don't always explore that childlike side of you that just wants to have fun and, you know, be funny and be weird and silly and all that kind of thing. So I definitely appreciate when I call home and, and I, I revert back to, to who I was at 12 or 13, but, but yeah, I think, I think the, the, the feeling you get from going somewhere that you're not used to that that is really just a blank page a blank canvas for you to to paint there's really nothing like it i don't think i could have done anything else i think i did it exactly how it was supposed to i think this is why the path into the mystery is paved with initiations and yeah. changes because we have to change in order to grow like we have to open ourselves yeah. to new circumstances new ideas new perspectives and untrench ourselves from like, this is the way it is, or this is just how it's been for thousands of years. So this is it. You know, we have to untrench ourselves from all this ancestral belief systems. And, you know, I feel like, you know, as much as it's beautiful when, when somebody has a really clear heart perspective from their own, you know, their own life experience, it's handed down and all this can be beautiful thing, but it can also be, you know, an entrenched space to create division with other people almost like I see the path into the mystery as a path filled with opportunities to uncondition yourself from identity, like thinking that I'm this or I'm that, or like my baseball team makes my reality, or I want to argue with other people over whatever issue of the day. All those things are, it's like, I don't know, when you start getting into the subconscious realm, I start questioning, is any of that actually real? Like any of it? actually real or does none of it actually apply to who I really am in truth? Hmm. Well, this, I think might be a really good time to explain how the subconscious gets formed. And maybe that will answer some questions for people that have the same question. This was explained to me very early on in my training and I've, I've never forgotten it. It's just, I convinced my husband that this was such, that this was a good idea based off of this explanation. Cause he, you know, hypnosis 10 years ago, especially he's like, so like, what, what is it that you do? (laughs) It's like, so I gave him this explanation as once I had him on board, it was smooth sailing. He's always supportive, but I appreciate his questions because it allows me to be able to explain. So let's just explain. Let's just imagine that the mind, the abstract mind, not the brain, but the mind is a circle. Just imagine that a circle. When you're born, you have two things. Well, three, you have the fear of loud noises, the fear of falling and the fight or flight response. All of that, that's it. You have three things in your, in your mind when you're born. 
it's a little bit weird to think about that because of so much that's in our mind now, but just think everything else was learned. So if it doesn't fit where you, where you're going or who you are, you don't want it to, it can be unlearned. So those three things, that's it. Once you hit around seven to nine, so up until about seven to nine years old, your mind is completely open. You are just taking in, that's why they say kids are sponges. You're just taking in information, information, information. I love chocolate. I don't like broccoli. I love getting presents. I don't like getting in trouble. You know, that kind of thing. You start to learn things about yourself and you start to create those subconscious knowns, K-N-O-W-N-S, that are just basically truths about you, things that you know about you. What also lives in your subconscious is your automatic processes like breathing, blinking, nervous system. Everything you don't have to think about is in the subconscious. Eventually, what will be in there is your ability to drive, your ability to ride a bike, write, speak, all kinds of things, right? Things that you don't, that you, to read anything you don't have to think about. So once you hit about seven to nine, you get what's called a critical filter or a critical mind, which acts as a barrier between the newly formed conscious and the subconscious. Everything that you've accumulated up to that point becomes part of the subconscious. Everything else, conscious. You have the critical filter in the middle. We got that picture in our heads. So the subconscious now makes up about 90 to 95% of your mind, which is a lot. But when you think about everything it's in control of, it doesn't really sound like unreasonable, right? Of course, it's going to be a huge part of our mind because look at all the stuff going on that we don't have to think about. It's constant. It's all the time. In the conscious, you now have logic, reasoning, decision-making skills, rationalization, analytical skills, willpower. All of that is in your conscious mind. Again, 5 to 10% of your mind. So with this conversation, for example, I'm choosing the words to say that's conscious, but the ability to say those words is subconscious. So both parts of your mind are always working together. Uh, you just don't necessarily always have access to that bigger part. It's got a lot going on. But once you have like a goal, a desire, an idea, like maybe, what if I just wanted peace? <laughs> what if I just wanted, what if I just wanted a happy life? What if I just wanted more money? What if I just wanted love to find a partner? What if I just wanted to stop biting my nails? You know, anything, anything that that you want for your life starts in the conscious. It checks in with the critical filter, which then checks in with the subconscious. I would like to imagine it as like a bouncer at a club, like a like a doorman, right? And if he checks his clipboard and what you want isn't on the list, it ain't getting in. Nope. No, sir. Sorry. You can try. Of course, we all have willpower. We can definitely do the work. But 5 to 10% going up against 95%, that's what's happening. <laughs> that's what's happening when you do that. So with hypnosis. What I'm able to do or what, you know, what is happening during this, the process of hypnosis is we take your idea, your thought, your desire. We create a pathway through the critical filter, which basically tips the bouncer $200, let's say. And then we can just get in. We get into the subconscious. We figure out what's going on. We communicate and decide or discover rather what it is that's actually holding you back. What is in here that goes against my desire and release it with love and replace it with something that fits. Fits you, fits where you're going, fits your future, fits your highest timeline. So that that's kind of how that it kind of boils down to we get your subconscious on the same page as your conscious desire so that you have a hundred percent of your mind working toward your goal. Your subconscious is a goal machine. It is constantly churning out goals for you, whether you are conscious of it or not, it's happening. You're always doing it. You are a hundred percent successful at being exactly who you are right now 
based off of your subconscious programming. <laughs> this is why Dr. Joe Dispenza's book is called Break the Habit of Being Yourself, because that's <laughs> what you're basically doing is breaking the habit, you know, because the subconscious mind deals with habits. Yeah. It deals and, with like just fall asleep and you're, you're in yeah. the car and then you're there. You don't and, know and how you got a, there. You know, you just exactly. showed up. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's two other very important pieces. One, you are already an expert in going into a trance state. You're already an expert in going into hypnosis. You, you are able to be hypnotized. You already do it. You already do it every day. When you fall asleep, you're going into hypnosis. When you wake up, you're coming out of hypnosis. So you're passing through a trance-like state. When you meditate, when you forget how you got home, as you said, when you're reading a book, watching a movie, and you feel like it's happening to you, or some part of you feels like the world has fallen awake because you're so absorbed in this book or movie, you're entering an altered state. So that's where we go when you decide that's where we go to create positive change. And the other thing I wanted to say is your subconscious is never trying to make you unhappy. It is never trying to piss you off or, you know, keep you unhappy. It's, it doesn't hate you. It, it doesn't care. Its job is to keep you alive based off of what it knows will do that. So if you want to be a millionaire, that is equally as dangerous because it's an unknown for most of us. It is an unknown equals as much danger as a known danger. So you might as well tell your subconscious, let's walk into a pit of fire. It doesn't have to make sense. And most of the time it doesn't make sense consciously. Yeah, because but things are associated in your Yeah, things are associated. We don't random. know what could happen. You <laughs> have no idea what this is like. We don't know what this is like. My job is to keep you alive. This falls outside of keeping you alive. So no, we're not doing it. I mean, that. you could have been like five and something was on the television, and then something traumatic happened in your life. And the thing on the television could have been like pot Absolutely. soup, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden, pot soup. And violence in your family home got associated inside your little brain because it all connected in that moment. And it's like, why is this connected? And then later on, you're just so terrified of pot soup. It's like, why am I so afraid of it? And I can't stand it. I can't have that in my house, you know? And and it's because, and when you were five, it got all connected somehow in some weird argument. And this is, this is another point. Everything, excuse me, everything that's in your subconscious right now, that's keeping you from your goal was needed at one point. You needed it at some, it would not be there if it didn't have a purpose. It doesn't mean it still applies. It doesn't mean it ever made sense. And the thing that I want everybody to understand and that I wish I understood earlier is that you get to decide what is relevant to your subconscious and what isn't relevant. You get to decide if that idea is stale, if that belief is outdated, no longer applies and get rid of it, you know, with love. I always say release it with love because we're not judging. These beliefs aren't here to hurt us. They're not yeah, here and to repulsion is like a boomerang. So you yeah. know. Yeah. Release repulsion it with love. Just make but, it happen more, you know. So yeah. Yeah. release it with love, but replace it with something that fits you and where you're going versus where you were. And you do kind of need to have a ceasefire. Like you need to get out of the circumstance that's creating or reinforcing a negative belief. Like if you're just always attracting abusive partner or abusive situations, you need to actually take a time out from all relationships and get away from all of that while you reprogram yourself and yeah. spend some time with you, you know, until it gets to the place where you start noticing better things start happening, right? Like you can't stay in yeah. the fire and expect it to change. I just got the weirdest image. I'm going to share it because that's just who I am. So when you said you have to get out of the situation, you have to stop with with the relationships, my mind communicates in metaphors. It just does. And I just pictured like every bad relationship dumping on you, like spaghetti sauce. So you're covered in spaghetti sauce. Your eyes are blinded and you're like trying to navigate around going to another relationship. Like you have to get the sauce off first. You have to get whatever that cycle that's perpetuating. You got to get off the hamster wheel so that you can actually see with clarity what you want versus like, let me just dive right into what's familiar. Guys, 
for most of us, what is familiar is so uncomfortable, but we do it because it's what we know. And that's exactly what's going on in the Middle East, everyone. You know, you're doing what's familiar because that's what happened when your parent was five and that's what happened your whole life. And, and that's all, you know, and then here we go. So when we want things to change, we have to actually step out of the circumstances, get away from, you know, those circumstances for a while to heal ourselves of the trauma. Cause you were talking about the three things that, that stay in the brain, right? Mm. The fear of noise and the fear. Well, the third thing was like the fight or flight. And most people live in fight or flight their entire lives, even though the trauma is over and has been over for a long time. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I'm always just so careful. I like to only speak about my experiences because that's what I know. And what I, you know, based off of my experiences and my and research and clients and all this sort of thing, the packet of knowledge that we all carry with us, that's unique to each individual. But I think that you do have a good point. I completely am of both minds that, A, I just don't think the people that have the, the power have any interest because in my knowing and my intuition, which could be off, I feel like it's just money. It's just dirty, dirty, dirty money. And unfortunately, as has happened for eons, decades, centuries, regular people like you and me are just caught in the middle with no power to get out. You can't escape. You just have to wait for hopefully the people that are in charge to knock it off and come to their senses. Yeah, that's, that's a, you know, and that right there is another thing we could transmute though, Lindsay, that is how it's been, right? Exactly. And we get to transmute that because we are part of the collective. I love the quote oh, by Rumi yeah. that says, we're not a drop in the ocean. We're the entire ocean in a drop, right? And yes. I have this theory that if we keep working on ourselves, those of us who are paying attention, eventually we transmute the heck out of all of it into a whole different place called New Earth. <laughs> well, and I- th- That's what yeah, I'm hoping for. I do think that what we talked about before we hit record was like, what can we do? The people yeah. that don't sit in our lives, the people that don't have direct- association with this. You know, I could go my entire day without turning the TV on and not know what's happening if I wanted to. I, I agree hundred percent that if you feel like there's nothing you can do, the one thing you can do is make sure your inner world is reflective of your outer world. <laughs> it's not a small thing. It's not an easy thing. I'm still working on it most days, but if you can somehow bring your inner peace in alignment, if you can bring your inner self peace, it's doing more than you think it's doing. Usually I saw this thing once somebody that came on the podcast, I think, and I wish I remembered who it was, but they said something so beautiful. And it was one enlightened person or one awakened person will affect up to like 17,000 people energetically. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I'd like to believe it's true. So why not? Why not just believe it's true and start working on your high vibes? <laughs> yeah, high vibing it. Exactly. I love that. Perfect. So, well, I know we're up against our time. That thank you for your wisdom. I mean, I can still go for like another hour, you guys. Me too. This is a good conversation. You'll have to come back. You'll have to come back. <laughs> so, I mean, this has been amazing. It's a good start, right, everyone? Like, could you get one nugget for how you can make a difference? Because I know my audience is filled up with people with big hearts that really, you know, feel it when there's all these things going on in the world and it feels terrible inside. And, and so what can we do? We, as empaths, as, as connected psychic people is like, feel it to heal it, man, feel it to heal it, you know, and eventually the drop of ocean that you are will infect all the other drops of oceans that they are in the vibration of love. And I, I do, believe I we're do. here to do that. 
I do have one thing lastly to say, and that's just to impress upon everybody the importance of staying within your own powers of, I mean, I guess I would say stay within your capacity for knowledge. Do not force yourself, please. I want to cry saying this because so many of us feel like we have to watch. We have to look, we have to see, but if it causes you more harm than good, don't do it. Please, please, please protect yourself, protect your energy, do good, but don't force yourself to watch. Don't, please don't do it. In the shamanic world, this is called the soft gaze on it. It's like the peripheral gaze. It's like, you know, that's going on. So you're not turning a blind eye to it, but you're also not giving it your energy, focus and attention, which gives it more power actually. And I wish more people knew this, that like arguing about it and, and taking sides and, and getting all emotional and upset is like feeding the energy that is feeding that condition actually. If it causes low vibes, it's, it's causing low vibes. Creating more low vibes and it spreads (laughs) like a virus. So let's spread the other virus of love and peace. Yeah. And it's impossible. I think it's impossible to think about it and feel happy. Of course. course I think all I would advise is just know what your limit is, know how important your own mental and emotional health is and just nurture that. Have compassion. Don't be blind, but also please, please don't go beyond your capacity to feel it. Okay. Cause that, that will, it will cause more harm than good. And you're not helping anybody by doing that least of all yourself. So take care of yourselves. That's all I'm saying. Take care of yourselves, please. <laughs> and don't feel guilty for being placed in a lifetime where you get to emanate peace. I mean, exactly. emanating peace is a beautiful gift and that helps everybody else when you emanate peace. So sometimes said. it's like focus on the gift that you were here to be. And yeah. when you bring that energy, it helps everybody else. So yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom. And thanks for going down that rabbit trail with me. I just feel like people have been just kind of floundering out there with what, how to handle this. And I I, yeah, I don't know what to do. You, I you don't think a lot answers of answers today to though. You gave some yeah. good answers. I think it's good. We're, we're all just doing the best we can, you know? Yeah. We're walking each other home and some people are, you know, carrying an ax along the way. So no, let's, let's, let's put down their mustaches. <laughs> Put down the swords, put down the guns, put down the bombs, and let's just walk each other home. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate you, uh, Lindsay, and I know I'm going to be on your show soon, so I'm really excited. I'll put all the links in the show notes below for how you can find Lindsay and work with her some more. And I'm going to give you guys kisses now. Would you like to join me, Lindsay? Here comes kisses, everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. You are blessed. (laughs) And we'll see you guys all next week on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show.